Welcome to Movement is My Constant. In this podcast, I invite movement researchers to share their embodied knowledge through open conversations as inspiration for organizations and leaders to design the future of work. One of the most amazing results that happen uh, when acquiring the state of agility, that your relationships have less conflict, more flow, less miscommunication. Yeah, it's just um, really impactful. Welcome everyone to another episode in the series with Melanie Gensler, founder of Integrative Health Guide. For the third episode, we dive deeper to understand resilience and its connection with movement. This popular term is widely mentioned during processes of change, both in personal journeys and professional contexts. Nelson Mandela was quoted saying, Do not judge me by my success. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. This elastic quality is referred to by Melanie as agility and, as we will explore in this episode, it is a way to become resilient. I am interested in understanding how Melanie constructed this term from the physical experience of movement and applies for, our, for the emotional growth. Ultimately, I am also keen to know how it influences leadership and change management as we touch upon the future of work. Hello, Melanie, and welcome back. Hi, Anna. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Also uh, good. Um, really enjoying the beautiful weather that we're having here in Holland. Oh, nice. So for those who don't know, we are uh, recording this episode uh, remotely, and I am in Portugal, where it's always sunny. <laughs> uh, but I'm happy to hear that Holland is sunny as well. The term agility, what does it refer to in a, a very tangible way? What do you mean with it? And also, how did you first come across it? Yeah, so agility is that emotional elasticity, which you actually really beautifully exemplified by Nelson Mandela in your um, introduction. So it is the um, capability of uh, really having a quick turnover with certain changes that, uh, or quick turnover, what I mean by that is quick response by certain changes that you are undergoing, possibly conflicts that you're coming across, miscommunication. So it's actually that cognitive process of um, emotion or feeling emotion, thought, thought, emotion, feeling, and being able to quickly make productive and effective decisions, but not just for yourself, um, even more so as well in a, a team environment, in a community collaborative environment. So it's really, it's really um, the, the closest is that emotional elasticity, um, how I would refer to it. But it's of course not just emotional, it's also coming from a feeling and from a thought process. Easy to understand, but it's very complex. It is, yeah, but I do think that we can break it down um, more in a practical sense um, throughout this, this episode. I'm sure we'll get there. The, the, the practice of it, 
as it has various different qualities to it, yeah, it, it, it takes some time. I think when it comes to agility, there's some patience involved. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I hear a lot of things. I hear time. I hear um, the emotional uh, state, if you call it, of agility. But also, I would like to tap into the physical qualities of agility. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. And that's actually what I'm referring to when I'm most closely relating to feeling. Okay. So that feeling means it's a sensation in the body. That's what a feeling actually is. And so um, that's, it's really been a, what, what's really been a great guiding tool in acquiring agility for myself is starting from the body through agile or versatile movement exercises. So um, the muscle is actually demonstrating in that process the complexity of communication, right? Or the muscle structure, I should say, the complexity of the communication that takes place to be versatile. And to, so let's, referring back to the feeling, to feel what it is even to be, right? To feel in the body versatile, to be versatile. And the, one of the most common um, movement practices that I refer back to, to experience this on a feeling level is um, plyometrics. Plyometrics is that um, you're really utilizing the gravity, uh, utilizing gravity to move up or away from earth and to move with, so towards earth and feeling the up and down movement side and side in an explosive way or in a slowing down and you're holding into uh, a pause, that's really actually a great, what's happening in the muscle structure. So the muscles, the tendons, the ligaments, the connective tissue that is working together, connective tissue as well, including of course, of course those blood vessel, um, is the complex, it's a complex communication that very much actually in a symbolic sense um, demonstrates emotional, the emotional um, aspects of our uh, of ourselves. So, um, in other words, uh, m- muscles express their communication through the shift um, of substances from substances. So the the uh, and and the human beings express amongst each other or even with oneself is one way is through emotions to kind of uh, break this down i'm doing a squat and i'm playing with this gravity right i'm playing with understanding how my body is uh, reacting to a certain uh force is that an example of of one type of very specific type of movement obviously you are you're right now referring to just doing squats right just as an example you know so the if you're just doing squats that's that's very much a movement where I'm referring to utilize in creating stability for oneself and understanding what stability feels like. Um, So just doing the squats, of course, your muscles are still communicating with each other, but it's a very grounding way of, of communicating. There's not a complex shift happening from the squat. If you're squatting, you're jumping. Yeah. Then you have plyometrics again, those jump squats, you're because your muscle um, uh, system 
has to shift from just doing a squat type of movement to now jumping and then squats. It's the range of motion plus as well, it's range of motion and as well the speed of it for sure. Right, exactly. So I was going to ask you indeed, what would be then, what should we look for in this sort of exploration? Then range and speed yeah, exactly. Range of motion and the uh, shifts in speed. So not one constant speed. It's from quick to slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down, maybe, and then quick, 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 slow down, quick. You know, you, it's that shift, yeah. Thinking fast and moving fast uh, is the same thing, right? How yeah. those, those, that speed uh, and how you get back up again. You were talking about range. Uh, could you elaborate a little bit uh, the qualities of agility? The qualities of agility means being quick, adaptable, being able to withstand uncertainty, stand strongly in certainty. So courage is definitely one. Um, I think I think really uh, adap adaptability because as Agility is also very quick and changing. That courage in uncertain moments is highly needed, highly needed. And are there any examples of how would you put this into practice? How do, does one develop that in the day-to-day -day life? Through movement or through some awareness or through some resources? How would you? Yeah, um, uh, so... Definitely movement, but of course it goes even further in order to develop agility. Um, so that development aspect to it is 100%. First and foremost, you have to gain awareness. And gaining awareness actually is created through stability. So interestingly enough, um, agility amongst most ends up being acquired once stability actually is there. So if you see it like stability is the body, agility is the mind. The mind, um, although research is now starting to um, almost uh, question this fact because from a perspective of energy, but the mind, let's just say the mind cannot exist in this reality without the body. And so um, practicing mindfulness is definitely one um, way to develop agility so how do we what are what am i exactly talking about what does that look like so journal journaling your movement experience as you're moving will bring you into acquiring agility so let's say so you're really exploring that sensational state so that's now coming right from the feeling but if we're coming from the thoughts um Let's say that you're, you had a conversation or you experienced a thought process that you don't like. It doesn't feel good. You don't know. You're having a hard time in compartmentalizing and thinking clearly. There's a lot of emotions happening. So by practice, by journaling your thoughts and structuring them, you're helping as well in the direction of acquiring agility, right? That emotional structure of things so you can acquire it through as i said the feeling so through movement and also though um recognizing even better what is uh 
journaling, the ex experiences of that movement, how it feels, so plyometrics, or um, through the thoughts. So sorry, through yeah, the thoughts and your journaling, your thoughts and structuring them. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I do love journaling and I realize that I've been learning more uh, while I journal. And I remember uh, one thing you taught me uh, was always journal for, I don't know, uh, how many pages was that? Like two or three pages, even if you don't have anything to say. Um, yeah. uh, because that allowed to create a, a rhythm as well and also to get into, into the zone, uh, into that uh, freeing the mind to also express itself because uh, limiting ourselves to a short amount of text doesn't allow space for the mind to at some point just flow the thoughts. Um, and I guess it's a bit like the curious uh, mind if we allow it to be curious, um, then that's that's when we are creating this uh, quality of agility, uh, is it? 100%. Well mm. put. Yeah, no, definitely uh, well put. Mm -hmm. definitely. Mm -hmm. It's the same with the movement practices that uh, as you also implement journaling on the movement practices, right? So to get that uh, sensation uh, right on the page, then your mind needs to kind of process it somehow. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's um, uh, maybe we're not ready yet with the journaling, um, but it def def it, it's definitely deepening the um, practice. But if we're at least, you know, uh, practicing mindfulness in our regular day movements or exercises, it really would bring it much more outside of ourselves, the qualities that we're actually learning there. It's such mm -hmm. a great playground. If, we, if those that were going to the gym, they weren't just, let's just say it to, in the extreme sense, they weren't just thinking about how their body looks and how they can improve it, how it has improved, etc. They're actually really diving into, wow, uh, yesterday my, my uh, arms were much stronger. Now I'm suddenly noticing they're, they're, they're not being able to lift as much and how, what's maybe happening in the muscle structure. Why is it? feeling more tender what and then you know right you go then into what does it actually need right or you're going on a run and you're focusing on the way that it feels in your the sensations the smells that you're coming across as you're on the run maybe there's freshly cut grass or mm. the sounds that you're hearing and the visuals that you're seeing that that mindfulness practice will bring um from a health sense the it's all that's one of the pillars of stress management um, it really allows for uh, stress release connecting to the senses especially as well with the support of movement um, and from a communication sense you just yeah you uh, acquire more the ability what it means to speak to yourself and therefore improve maybe the feeling state or the way you structure your thoughts like wow, I'm thinking that right now. Is that, is that, is that kind to me? Or is that actually really um, volatile or really uh, aggressive? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like you're um, uh, also developing this, uh, this superpower, as we called it. Remember the last time we were talking yeah. about acceptance? Um, exactly. it's, it's just like you're developing that because you accept what there is in that moment. 
and uh, you learn actually to become stronger with it because by realizing that uh, your body has different ways of, of uh, yeah, it communicates differently, it has different ways of using its energy, you get to know it and you are empowered by it. Yeah, and I mean, um, there's, I think, even more important or an important element that I would also like to include is the gratitude, practicing gratitude with the ability that your body has in the movements, in the complexity of the exercises, um, yeah, in the functions that you can function every day, rather that be pick up your child and play with them, going on long walks with friends. Yeah. We yeah. underestimate it. Yeah, I was just about to say it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially if we have like um, an injury, for instance, then we we realize it, right? That's the hello. Where have you been? Hello. It's time to give me some love and care. It's just like I've been telling you for this long. Why didn't you hear me? <laughs> Would you like to elaborate further how you've connected agility for emotional growth? Is there anything you would like to uh, maybe dive deeper there? Just emphasizing one more time our relationship with the unknown uncertainties especially in this time um, post covid possibly going into a second um, uh, wave of it exploring from an emotional growth perspective our relationship to uncertain times to things being out of control is one key pillar to acquiring agility and really making sure to practice what it feels to be an uncertainty and that's again if we, we can i wouldn't advise practicing it within the thought aspect of things but through movement um doing certain movements that are totally new to you on a regular basis because that is actually helping you um, practice courage in uncertain or the unknown. Mm. So don't stick to just one type of movement practice. Change it up and bring mindfulness there and you're practicing the feeling state of what it means to feel uncertainty or the unknown. One of the elements that I use in visualization practices and also or elemental visualization is also what I use, I should say, in my mindful movement sessions and in general when I speak of acquiring these states. So agility is connected to fire and air, right? It's air is, we can't even see it unless it's smoke, but that's then connected then to another element as well. But um, ultimately, the more that you are visualizing and reflecting on air and fire, fire is as well, right, totally unpredictable. We have a hard time in controlling it. It has, yeah, it has a whole force of its own. Uh, if I'm going to go back to how it is with stability, stability is the state, state of certainty. Um, it's uh, the state to practice trust, right? And uh, so agility is the state to practice fear. And mm -hmm. stability, the elements connected to stability that I got help guide us is earth and water. I do think it's also always important to mention that these are the guiding, what I have noticed from 
theories and research and observation of my own to utilize, but always leave an open door for how it feels for you, right? Some people feel extreme certainty in fire, <laughs> but that means then for me that there's definitely a strong agile sense that you already have. It's just a really great um, awareness. I feel that these elements um, might not be so clear for a lot of people uh, and also maybe for our listeners using these elements as ways to visualize certain states. Sometimes we assume, oh yeah, fire makes total sense, but is that true? So it's good to always ask, is that true several times? Almost like a why question, just to dig a little bit deeper in understanding uh, how is that for you? Yeah, I, I, definitely a balance of experience versus reflection there. Um, sometimes I think it's really uh, important to not, without experiencing, not to go too much into reflection because then maybe you will, it will prevent you from experiencing just what is in front of you uh, and not just experiencing. Making sure, is it really feeling good for you? Does it feel right? Is that your truth? Practicing something over time and noticing that actually it's not feeling good is the only way to really, I think, determine if something is a right fit for you or not. It doesn't, it's very hard to conclude. You might know what your truth is about this experience beforehand, but without actually experiencing, you won't get the embodiment And that's what we're trying to actually reach here with these states is an embodiment of it. Yeah, exactly. I think they're very helpful. I've been, as, as, uh, I've been using them as well to sometimes uh, define who am I? Am I more earth? Am I more, more air? And that sometimes helps to kind of widen the, the yeah, spectrum of, of who we are, I guess. I've learned about centering. What do you think about it? Or centering itself is having a mind-body connection, and but it doesn't just come in a really quick way, but it takes, that's why the practicing element um, in order to continuously actually bring awareness to, ah, uh, this is even me feeling centered, so ease. Um, a lot of people, especially those that have gone through years of being more in the state of agility, so a lot of change, they have a hard time in experiencing set being centered, right? They're very ungrounded. And so centering, creating a mind-body connection is what I refer to in the state of stability. It is practicing and growing that state. So centering tools is something, for instance, what we already mentioned is journaling your movement practice. Um, journaling in general is a really great centering tool. Of course, meditation, but I think that um, that takes some time, especially when you are have been stimulating more of that agile state. So um, movement and journaling really are great tools to continue to get, go towards feeling centered especially also um, not just feeling centered with oneself, but feeling centered in environments of a lot of stimulation and noise. Uh, I feel like that's becoming harder and harder because stimulants are just increasing. And so I think it is uh, definitely something to continue to 
practice and train in order to be able to actually have boundaries to these stimulants. That's what stability also really helps in is creating boundaries. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for uh, clarifying the centering because I was indeed still confused about how it would play a role in agility but it is indeed a stability state. How do you impact relationships by the qualities of agility? I thought you would never ask. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's honestly one of my favorites. I say it that way because it's really one of the most amazing results that happen uh, when acquiring the state of agility, that your relationships will have less conflict, more flow, less miscommunication. Yeah, it's just um, really impactful. I think we already touched upon how that comes about. It's that it's practicing organizing your thoughts, practicing feeling different feelings and understanding that you're feeling this way and how it connects to your thoughts. So creating that mind-body connection. But it's also the awareness um, and practice most specifically of acceptance. Acceptance takes courage. So feeling courage, uh, also listening. So the more that we can be in the state of agility, right? Uh, it's, it's together. It definitely requires um, centering. So stability as well as practicing being in the present tense. And the more that we are actually being able to adapt, the more that we're actually naturally practicing acceptance, right? We're not resisting that what is coming up. So agility is really in the relationship, communication aspect of things. It's not resisting what is being said to you in the moment. And if you are resisting it, exploring that, that's that practicing of the mind-body connection. And once you have, then you bring it outside of yourself by communicating that what is necessary within your relationship. So let's say, for instance, there's a conflict that came about and... Um, the conflict actually resulted, which most result, uh, conflicts do, in a mismatch, mismatch of expectations. It happens so much when, that we have continuously that our emotions, it's not so much, it's actually always, our emotions are creating expectations. Um, and it's actually quite interesting. Teal Swan um, had mentioned in one of her educational videos, Teal Swan is a spiritual mentor teacher, um, quite well known in the US. And she has a video that states that um, unconditional love actually doesn't exist. It's all conditional, but we just don't know it yet because it's still in our subconscious and our subconscious are connected to our emotions. The subconscious is that feeling state. So um, it takes a lot of practice to already notice your expectations in the forefront and communicate it. Um, my boyfriend is actually a really great example of this. So strong in the state of agility. <laughs> I would say it's my weakness. Um, I I feel my, my uh, truth is definitely, and what I am most in is the state of stability. It's where I feel comfort. And he's been a really great teacher for me to acquire this more of the state of agility. But yeah, so these relationships, I've now, I think, been referring to it more in a personal sense. But this also 
takes place in a professional sense on a day-to-day basis. And I think this is where HR um, plays such a big role and businesses have not realized that yet, that in order to actually have the organizational structure, specifically the communication that needs to take place because of um, more remote uh, working environments, because of all the shifts that are happening within the economy and the impact that it has on businesses and corporations. I think relationship management Mm -hmm. or the need in acquiring the state of agility will really get it to the forefront. Yeah, there's a lot of work to do. There really is. (laughs) Because in the end, at the end of the day, we want to show that we've been productive, we've made decisions. That's your expectation. Yeah, exactly. But all the prep work uh, is a huge investment that I think in the long term would help indeed change how we, uh, how we work, how we uh, survive all these uh, un- uncertainties, right? I think it's also maybe a great um, way to also see the difference. So stability versus agility. Stability is really that work with yourself. But the work with yourself, of course, is not enough because ultimately it's, it's the understanding that the work with yourself is also outside of you. And the agility is that outer work. And I find it's happening a lot within spiritual work, within mental and emotional work, because we're focusing so much on what feels good. So more like that stability part, what is not my own center, but just for myself, they forget that, that, okay, it's great to know it for yourself, but we're, we're living here in communities that you actually are bringing, that's that integration, right, where I refer to into the integration part, you're bringing that integration of yourself into, mm-hmm. so that's why you bring the stability into the agility, ultimately, in order to really create collaboration and the, yeah, the, the relationship building or team building. Mm-hmm. Qualities of agility that could be essential for leadership and change management what qualities are those so we're really referring here to the soft skills right the soft skills first and foremost is right listening not reacting to the person with the news maybe and i'm i'm sure the news from your boss um there is a legitimacy of how you're feeling right that you don't like what he said but instead of reacting, why don't you listen? And so listening actually requires an observation aspect. It's not immediately responding. It's actually observing, maybe taking a second and then responding to make sure that you're not just coming from a reactive place. It's not about just ignoring it. It's definitely observing. So acknowledging it, acknowledging that what is outside and also inside, so how are you feeling? So that's really what listening is when I'm talking about listening. And then um, practicing acceptance. I mean, if there's change in your schedule or there's organizational change that's happening, that you are not resisting it. And if you are resisting it, exploring that, but making sure that ultimately if you come back into your working environment or you are then you have, there's the end goal is to integrate. Healthy work environments can only be created if 
the individuals working for you in the team are actually accepting and not resisting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the end, uh, to some extent, there uh, there has to be a prioritization, like the future leaders, obviously, what should they think and implement in order to develop more agility within the employees well, and yeah. teams? Prioritization, of course, is, is really key in this. Yeah. And understanding, like reading the room, right? Understanding, okay, what is happening? So the fact that that leader has the, the capability to observe listen also connect to him and understand the relationships the dynamics within the room then there can be influence in the quality of for of that team of the organization actually brings us quite nicely to with that communication you'll be able to have a flexible environment but of course the flexibility starts with yourself and then uh, integrating it into your team there's also really great opportunities here of you practicing to be the example but of course that takes courage what kind of people would there be as experts to help organizations and leaders with exactly exactly one of the ones that i find who brings really great theories and models to change management is uh Professor Fredman Malik, he's an economist within change management, and he's known for the Great Transformation. 21 is the model that's called, that he always refers to, and it really demonstrates how a company, so that though goes then from the business, so the, from the financial aspects of things, but that's always translated as well into HR, and so human resources aspects, I mean, that I think that connection really needs to be put into the forefront as well. How, of course, financial change will bring human resource change. And what does that mean for the humans still working for you, right? Some have left. Are you bringing, giving extra energy into making sure that from the structural change, the communication and emotions are actually staying um, connected and in flow? And so he has written this book called Navigating in Times of Change, which I really recommend. And um, honestly, actually from an emotional standpoint, um, I find the book Emotional Agility by Susan David hmm. um, a really great resource to practice it on a more personal sense. But of course, it's going to translate it as well into your professional relationships. Well, last but not least, I told you before the work-life balance and you had your own idea about it, which we will be exploring in our next episode, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that work-life balance, um, it really actually brings these different states all together because that's where we end up finding mobility. Um, so work-life balance or mobility isn't that happy balance between feeling stability and feeling agility. Mobility will actually really round it out and give us a nice baseline when we explore that to how can we even achieve work-life work balance? What does it even mean? This episode, we touched upon this term agility and how it applies to development of soft skills and why did they matter in light of this future of work. And it comes indeed from the development of this individual uh, self, but also how we relate to others and what qualities are uh, in those relationships. 
I really appreciate your uh, your work and your knowledge in this and also how you have developed this term. I'm looking forward for the next episode where we are going to touch upon mobility as you just uh, mentioned. And uh, is there anything you would like to add here? Yeah, I think the last thing that I want to um, mention for maybe businesses that are listening, um, entrepreneurs, um, leaders, it is hard and it takes a lot of time to acquire these different states, especially in the integration and implementation process um, into your business structure, your organizational structure. So I do definitely recommend hiring for that support and to decrease the time dedication for the change to actually be implemented. Um, communication specialists, change management consult, uh, consultants, biz or business uh, coaches, health coaches and movement specialists might even be interesting. I, I think it's sometimes short-sighted for businesses or corporations themselves to have a team within the business that is already working for you to be taking on this extra role in team building. Um, it is healthier for the company and also healthier for the individuals to have the uh, to know that this external person or this extra person is solely in charge of um, improving the environment, improving the communication, and have, yeah, you know, have a clear um, compartmentalization of this role. And I think that the changes that you're going to be going through will be that much more impactful and um, uh, more quickly integrated. Thank you so much for uh, adding that. And I'm looking forward to have you again. Thank you.